Welcome to Deathy for Dishonor. Today we're going to have a bit of a strange episode. Last week, <laughs> and I have to apologize for this because this is entirely me, we record several episodes ahead of time, and sometimes looking back, trying to piece together the numbering, which gets off on uh, which episode comes before which, and the order of events gets a little confusing. So we ended up releasing two episodes last week um, in order actually out of order, but now they're in order. So if you are interested in what's going on currently, and hopefully you're anticipating the exciting conclusion of this section of our drama, um, where we are about to enter the drow city, and uh, some some stuff is happening in our characters, you're going to have to wait. (laughs) I'm sorry. I do have these episodes, but because I got two last week and because of our scheduling, I'm going to put out this one this week, which is Rabbit's Recap for episode 85 through 99. So while you are thinking about the drama that's ensuing between all of our characters and the place we're going to be going next with our alignment changes and some of our character god acquiring and various other things you can check this out and see make sure that you haven't missed anything along the way um, because it's going to get exciting from here on out so this is episode 85 through 99 also for our 100th episode if you were watching on twitch you may have noticed that i played a special intro that was made for us by rabbit um, which was celebrating the 100th episode when the mp3 of that came out the 100th episode song or or, uh, rabbit's kind of mp3 at the beginning didn't get added so i want to make sure that he gets credit for that and put that here at the beginning of this recap so here you go episodes 85 through 99 preparing you for the next few uh, exciting episodes that i know you want to hear so they'll be coming out next week regularly scheduled and this coming Friday, uh, right now I'm looking at the 16th, so I believe that's the 19th. This coming Friday, we are going to be recording live on Twitch as usual at 10.30 Eastern Time. And if you would like to join us, you can go to twitchtv.com slash We also stream live on the holdtheline.com site, which is the HTL um, area, and they will have us streaming live as well. So if you want to see us, check us out at either of those two places, and you will have a new episode coming out next week. You spoiled people from my mess up. So enjoy the recap if you want to catch up. Otherwise, wait a week. Thanks. Bye. Ahoy there. The pirates of Rabbit's Cove do be wishing you a happy 100. Even though there's no pirates on your podcast. Indeed, we do be forgiven you for that. Three cheers for 100 and 100 more. Hip hip. Arr. Hip hip. Arr. Hip hip. Arr. In our last episode, the party was successful in deactivating Designation Razor. Party is in this workshop room that was discovered. Party has managed to deactivate this um, metallic creature, this figurine, and a head, the mechanical head of uh, this Warforged, is at Cesar's feet. Yeah, are, are, are you are you are you sitting there gnawing on this piece of metal, and uh, 
and, uh, and such, or what's... Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I think I'd be interested in in maybe looking through the bits and pieces that are left over and seeing if there's anything valuable for me to claim. Um, get like a trophy or something. <laughs> there does appear to be some sort of uh, red-colored stone visible within the chest cavity of this Warforged. I'm so sorry, Nate. I'm going to take it. Whatever it is, it's not glass, and it's not uh, exhibiting the properties of diamond, but the gem is extremely uncut and uh, in a raw form. Mm -hmm. But it does feel magical in some degree. Systems, critical damage, self-check in progress, major motor functions inoperable. Okay. Down on his hands and knees, Cesar goes, immediately already pulling out tools uh, from his belt, and he bends over the head. Uh, he doesn't even move it at first. He tries to just uh, see sort of how it's laying, if it's damaged, see if there's anything loose that if he picks it up, it might damage it. What are you breathers doing looking at me? <laughs> Poking gently in the eye. <laughs> stop that! Stop that! What happened? Uh, you you seem to have uh, had some uh, physical uh, uh, breakdown here. I'm uh, I'm seeing what uh, I can possibly do to uh, to keep your systems uh, uh, going. Do you have any uh, maybe technical uh, hints? I'm not very familiar with your model. I have system corruption that I've detected. I have been able to isolate, but not purge the corruption. You might have a, a little bit of an issue with that. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> you are beheaded. You fail spectacularly. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> that. That would explain the lack of motor control. Uh, so, uh, I believe you, you said your designation was, uh, was Razor. Is that correct? That is correct. Designation Razor. I am a combat designation from the house Kenneth. Well, uh, I think he has a, a lot to, to gain from uh, helping us at this point. What I was going to propose, uh, Razor, is that uh, if you uh, require or would like assistance in uh, gaining some of your uh, motor function back, as you put it, I would be uh, happy to do so in uh, exchange for possibly either some uh, information or uh, aid or, or perhaps both. What sort of information breather? Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> first of all, who, uh, who programmed you? I was created in the Arcane Forges of the House Kenneth for the Last War. Mm-hmm. After the Mage Tyros destroyed the House Vandor, the war ended, we were banished, and I began to roam without a home. Rugor produced the plate upgrades that you see on my torso and arms. He also provided the weaponry mm -hmm. and some upgrades in, in this shop here. I'm unsure how he was able to force me into this stasis, but I believe it has to do with this corruption system 
that I seem to have, I'm unable to purge, but have contained for the time being. Let's see here. Uh, do you mind if I if I take a little look back here? Oh, I don't believe there's much option. Feel free, breather. Cesar uh, sort of tilts the head back and tries to get access to somewhere, possibly, uh, you know, checking out the uh, that area with the the voltage or the you know some the arcing, and okay. uh, maybe uh, I don't know if that'd be an arcane check or something like that. I'm watching Cesar very carefully because a certain amount of bargaining and assembling is fine, but I think that when this thing is fully assembled, it's just going to attack us again. And I'm not moved by its pitiful story. You want to kick it? Um, I'll just poke it in the eye again. <laughs> you find familiar but much more advanced um, parts. Mm-hmm. And you can find that there are a number of um, parts that look like they've been badly welded, burned, dipped in acid wrong. There's just some, there's some craftsmanship in here that is not original. Like either something was trying to be bypassed or maybe a supercharge gone wrong. Okay. Um, there's, a lot of a lot of nice, really cool parts, but somebody's gone through here with the equivalent of a baseball bat. Yeah. On some boards. So uh, I'm going to go and start looking for valuable objects like gold wiring and um, you know things like that, just you know for contact and and things like that that could be valuable, you know, precious metals and stuff like. That. But you do happen to stumble across a, for lack of a better description, what looks something looks like a cooler. Um, on the inside, uh, it's packed with ice. Um, there's some sort of magical ice uh, that is keeping things inside very cold. There are six bottles of some sort of liquid. Each is a different color. Oh, Jesus. Mm-mm. They also all have heavy, heavy stoppers. I'm going to ask Razor. Razor, what what is the necessity of this uncut shiny gem to you? What Can you function without this gem? Clearly you are. What happens when your power decreases further? If my power is allowed to decrease further, I will shut down. And this is your power source? The red crystal that the furry one took. Yes, that is a power system. A power system. There are multiple. As a superior being to you, I have more than one (laughs) power source available. Seriously, how many pieces? We've got a torso, you know, two arms, two legs. That's just it. Or is it broken into shattered pieces? Yeah. For the for the most part, the ma- the major bits and there's some you know side damage. It looks like a car wreck. I would or- say to the party, Cesar, you know we can carry this. It's way too heavy, and we can't assemble him. He's just gonna kill us. Why don't you look and see what you can use here, and we'll just move on. If you want to take the head, fine, but these pieces can't go with us. They're too heavy. Do you, would it be possible to assemble the body? Mm, 
could probably mock up most of the body. Uh, uh, Razor, if we were to uh, uh cobble together the the bits of your body that we have here, do you do you think uh, it seems the that I might need to uh keep the head separate for now? Do you think we would be able to uh keep it walking with us without the input from my central system? The main body would not function. How how about how about this sanitary? Let's uh let's put his legs on and his head on. Keep his arms. Feel okay with that? Uh, but uh, it sounds like if uh, Krugor can turn him to his purposes, perhaps we could as well. You've seen uh, what uh, advantages uh, certain mechanisms can do for us from uh, the, the things that I've created. I would uh, I would think that either he would serve a good tool or, depending on his uh, familiarity with the area, you know, uh, at least an information source as well. Can you wipe his memory? Uh, I, it seems like tinkering more finely with the, the inner workings of uh, the the CPU behind him would take some time. Uh, perhaps if I had uh, quite an extended period uh, to sit with him, perhaps after we've uh, routed this source of uh, of uh, the, the drow infestation. But uh, until then, I don't think I would have the time to do that, no. So obviously I can't tell what it is. I can only just tell it's cherry red. Well... You look away for a couple moments and then look back, and um, the bottle has gotten warmer. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure if that's just you know heading towards ambient temp or whatever. But there seems to be more liquid or whatever in the flask than there was when you were last looking at it. I'm going to scream at him to wait and see if he reacts in any way. And yell to Caesar, Caesar, look out! So he becomes aware of the fact hey. that Thorn has got a unidentified liquid in his hand. While Xanatari is shouting, you you seem to see what looks to be a multitude of yellow eyes appear across the whatever is in this stopper. The volume of whatever it is in this appears to be increasing so as it is starting to head towards the outside of the bottle. Where would we be if we didn't take a risk? So I'm going to throw caution to the wind and take the stopper out. What appear to be mossy-covered tendrils quickly climb and sort of swirl out the top of the... Uh, stopper. Mm-hmm. And two whip out additionally from the um, from the flask and wrap around one of the beams in the ceiling. I would turn to Razor and say, "Do you know what that is?" No. Okay, then I would turn toward it and just wait. Okay, whatever it is starts to crawl out of the test tube or the flask. Okay, um, while it's climbing, I'm going to probably do the stupidest thing in the world because I don't know what it is, whether it's acidic or otherwise. I'm going to reach out and touch it. The fluid changes color to match the pattern of your 
either skin or fur, depending if you're still changed or not. Yeah, still changed. Okay. He's itching to lose that other hand. And the volume of material spilling out onto the floor from this uh, flask has increased quite considerably. What you are holding in your hand starts to coalesce into sort of the format of a um, a face or a head. Clearly not a human face or head. So it's starting to look like you, this face. Oh, and um, by the way, this uh, material... You feel it sort of burning or pulling or tugging at your gloves that you said that you're wearing. Just as it looks like, though, that the eyes of this red mass that are, well, I should say the eyes that that would be where a normal person's eyes would be on a face, uh, Thorn steps in, takes the damage, but... There's a bit of a bleed-through, and the charge is enough that it still apparently disrupts the goo and causes it to turn all to some form of liquid. He'll pick up the head, he kind of has it already, and sort of walk over to uh, the the event, the area of the incident, and uh, <clears throat> maybe... Uh, bend down and take a closer look at the the liquid without touching it. Okay. See what he can see. Um, it appears to be some form of biomass or plant. I was just uh, planning on uh, attaching the, uh, the servo here to the, the motor apparatus and, uh, you know, uh, working up uh, some sort of uh, self-locomotion. Basically, uh, the body without the head. Given that I don't really know it's a power source, I'm attempting to chisel it down to a decent-sized stone um, so I can then set it or wrap it in in uh, the gold wiring that I have and then loop a chain through, like a small loop made in the gold wiring so I can make, like, a necklace All right, so I can um, wear my prize. Scissor picks up a, a random part. Uh, he gets up, strides over. There's a, a maybe a workbench. He picks up just some random hunk of metal or bits or something and... Uh, as uh, he raises the uh, the uh, the chisel to uh, to strike the stone wherever he has it sitting, since he has both hands occupied with that, he uh, says, or just sort of walks up behind him and uh, just casually just sort of swaps it out and walks away with the uh, the power source, leaving whatever crap behind for him to do with whatever he pleases. She'll kind of move herself off the wall and walk next to Xanatari, and as she walks by, she'll say, I think something's coming up the hallway. Um, sounds like clicking. Clicking as in footsteps, or clicking as in what? Clicking as in something against stone, or some things against stone. I would alert the others that there's danger, uh, quietly, um, first to Caesar, and then, and then I would yell it to Thorn in a sort of raised voice, and get out my sword and start to head. At this point, I'm listening and trying to get an idea if there's anything around, and head towards the door, which obviously opened all by itself, 
uh, and kind of cautiously peer out. And you realize probably about 20 feet down the corridor. The sound of scraping and tapping are a large series of legs and some spikes that are um, scraping against the stone. There's very kind of uh, thin, spear-like legs. Mm-hmm. And uh, should be rather familiar to you, but with the, the, the backlit lights, it just kind of looks like this massive legs in hell coming your way. Uh, um, Which freezes am I... as, you, as you come around the corner. <gasps> I... Fluffy? Yes. Fluffy? Fluffy? What are you doing <laughs> down here? After you do that, I would turn because I remember there's something coming up the other hallway, and unless we have two fluffies, there's something else approaching. You actually don't know that yet in character. There's something is causing, you know, the, the air to come pushing forward. There is something that is non humanoid coming. Mm-hmm. But there is at some point in time past that humanoids. Fluffy actually seems to be a, a willing party to all this he's not not exactly to like the level of a puppy or a dog but you can tell that it's less agitated being around thorn than um what the kind of its legs flickering against the light would have given you the impression of its state before you found him okay um what i might do is instead of um basically sort of goading Fluffy on. Um, I might dart underneath him and, and between his legs and, and come up in front and basically um, sort of bring him up, bring him up to, a, to a, a stop, grab him by the, the front of the head, like the, the <laughs> mandibles, bring his eyes down to, to, to my eye level, and I would basically tell, uh, give him the, a single word, um, basically not like a, a, a command or an order, but just a single word telling him to hunt, and then let him go so he could move at his own pace and, and do what he needed to do in order to make sure that he's, you know, got our back. Okay, then I'm going to try to go underneath Fluffy's legs and make my way towards Thorn. Come on, let's go! And, uh, you know, urges the, uh, the torso to, to move along and makes his way out into the hall to try to investigate what that loud sound was. All right, uh, Cesar, as you um, exit out into the hallway, you encounter a uh, spider butt. <laughs> oh, it's you. Great. <laughs> Thought we might be free of you for a while. Thorn, you over there somewhere? There are a couple passageways, one of which is presently filled with the form of a charging, what appears to be armored, insect-like creature. It has uh, very sharp-looking huge mandibles mm-hmm. sticking out from the face. And, uh, as I said before, extremely armored. And it is charging at you. I'm going to try to see if I have the distance to reach this and try to come at it from the side. Uh, when I do so, I'm going to use Wrathful Lightning, uh, which is a lightning and thunder power. I can teleport myself within five squares to uh, a square adjacent to the target, so I'm assuming I will reach it, and it's a melee attack. Um, 
Cesar will kind of spread out, try to get to the side of the creature hauling along Razor's head. Um, he'll get to maybe a place against the wall, um, sort of as far off to the side as he can get, kneel down, uh, set Razor's head down on the ground in front of him, say, uh, keep an eye out! And uh, he'll slam in a uh, familiar-looking cartridge into his uh, hand crossbow, sort of uh, use razor's head as a steadying basically a tripod and and take aim and fire at the uh the creature with a spike wire <laughs> she will dimension door behind the creature okay and then hit it with a chill strike he'll uh pull out another uh bolt that may look familiar uh it's uh got uh a faint t- uh, smell of uh, gunpowder, and he loads it in, and uh, he takes aim, sights down the uh, crossbow, and sort of aims for like the forehead, basically of the the creature, and uh, uh, sh- let's fire. Uh, it's the smoke powder blast. It's a daily. You are able. You are at least have a warning that uh, there is some sort of charm effect or hypnosis effect, but you being a superior life form don't have a concept of what that could mean, just that there is big hazard in your memory core, there's a big hazard thing of um, that might not be good. Breather, you may want to be aware that your fetal consciousness may be overtaken by this creature. Hmm. Wouldn't have, uh, Peg this one to be a, a charmer, but uh, thank you for the advice. I'll look out for that. Uh, the, uh, the talking head here warns me that uh, you may want to wa- watch out for some uh, some sort of uh, mental uh, uh, effect that it might uh, try to uh, charm you or something like that. Watch out! Seeing, seeing the attack hit, Cesar immediately rips open one of the pouches and uh, a construct skitters out and flies or sort of skips over to Xanatari and uh, um, sinks a needle into the back of her uh, Achilles tendon. Ouch! Uh, which she uh, gains uh, resist all equal to eight against the attack. So it it uh, sort of injects something into the uh, is it, how many was it into for? your bloodstream that reduces the damage by eight. Okay. Nice. I would turn to smile at Caesar and salute him. And turn Caesar back. winks saucily back. <laughs> Two actions. First, minor action. I'm going to do a minor action called Encaging Spirits, which uh, I call on Protecting Spirits to harry my foes. Um, it's a close first one which would push the target back one square, and it's slowed until the end of my turn. Okay. Um, so, that, well, I think that just goes off, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Each enemy in the burst, so it's pushed back one. After knocking him back and sending him kind of flying, uh, the Umber Hulk or the big creature thingy, I'm going to fire my Seeker's Jew, which is a single attack. I basically draw and fire, exulting in my attack's simplicity. After Xanatari's attack uh, in amongst this this fighting, it should be noted that at least six 
shadowy forms have emerged from the tunnel. Natural 20. Very good. Uh, you know what time it is. Epic. <laughs> Cesar description time. You've got the floor. Uh, well, Cesar gets a, a glint in his eye and tries to do something a little funny. And he basically just tries, he jams two bolts in where one should go and uh, pulls back on the trigger real hard to squeeze it out. And it, it rather than just not doing anything, both bolts fire out. And uh, they, uh, and, but something, it's like they, the one fires and then a split second later the other one does. And they both fly at the, uh, the Umber Hulk and uh, strike its its carapace sort of on it where it's basically it's uh, like right below a mandible, uh, sort of a weak point. The one strikes and then the, uh, the other one strikes immediately right behind it in the same exact spot where it's already been weakened. Yes, right. Um, I'm going to make an active perception check to see whether I actually see the shadowy creatures of doom and evil. Very good. Ha-ha! Suckers, you incur the wrath. I'm going to target one of them, and I am going to whisper a terrible curse as I knock the arrow. Um, as I release it, I speed death and despair to my enemy. Um, in this case, it's uh, basically just a, a primal psychic attack, which leaves a uh, a zone in a burst one centered on the target, mm -hmm. uh, which is stable end. The zone moves with the target. Uh, and any uh, enemy other than the target that starts its turn within the zone takes five psychic damage and becomes immobilized until the start of its next turn. Uh, the figure that you shoot and hits uh, falls to the ground. Nailed it. Nailed it. Apparently I, so. Uh, I, ra I raise an eyebrow at Cesar and I'm like, what do you think of them apples? Hey. Cesar winks saucily back at him. Um, you strike and... Um, both with your rage and the rage of your deity behind it. Uh, you strike at the carapace, and there is a shaking motion by the Umber Hulk before brilliant white, bluish, red, all the different colors of a lightning bolt um, visible blow through the eyes to extend for at least eight feet above the form of the Umber Hulk, as it is literally cooked from the inside out. Light damage and the Radiance Beam have highlighted uh, what appears to be a figure diving, sort of blades drawn, from the ceiling towards Sabre. Is the figure coming straight down on me, or at like a 45? Um, straight down, appears to have a sword and also a dagger. Uh, sword is laid down towards you to do maximum damage. Uh, you're catching the glint of steel in the other hand. From the size of it and quick determination, it's some form of dagger. Lost Her me. head will pop up and uh, get a surprised look, but then she will get kind of a smirk, and uh, I will cast Featherfall on the uh, falling target, <laughs> and then step slightly outside its trajectory. 
basically use flashes of lightning and thunder uh, sounds along my weapon. My point here is I'm trying to cast a lot of light towards the, the, the creature that I'm attacking and hopefully its allies so I can get a better view of what's going on here with flashlight. You will see uh, the one that you're attacking. Mm-hmm. You will see another one that is moving towards uh, what would be where Thorn is. You see one on the ceiling. And you see one crawling up the ceiling, sort of uh, off to the southwest of Caesar. Noticing that they are leaving, you know, the stench of evil and corruption to everything they touch, especially seeing Caesar get struck, I would use my divine power to curse them in turn, causing the creature that I'm hitting to lash out at its allies if they would get close enough to it. So I'm cursing him to attack his own kind. This one attacks the, uh, was going to go for you. You scuttled out of the way. It came down and has pretty much, uh, upon landing, kicks uh, Razor's head somewhere into the cavern. Cesar's going to punch the drow. Okay. Cesar is just bare-fisted, right? He does, he's yep. not a gauntlet. Uh, okay. Unarmed. Okay. This is- Probably not going to work, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, 14 versus AC. Negative. How? He shakes his fist. Um, this drow, uh, also a female. This one is uh, wearing a different set of armor type and weapon. This one's got a, a mace. This one charges in at you uh, first. There's a hand extended towards you, and you feel... Nothing happened, but the light around you doesn't go away. Another blade cigarette power as her other hand comes around. It will catch on fire, slamming into the cleric, <laughs> catching her on fire. Sure. sure. And uh, she is now driven to distraction, <laughs> takes five points of damage, and everyone has combat <laughs> advantage until my next turn. You swear, for, you, you swear for a split second there's three drow. Oh, Okay. Hmm. Where's the third one? In the pile, somewhere. Okay. Interesting. There's another one here somewhere, I think. Maybe? The cleric appears to be fried. Okay. And falls over dead. Xanatari is in need of a critical fail description. Would you, from the sidelines, care to provide? Xanatari swings with righteous, pious fury at one of the drow, and uh, as her uh, mace crackles with lightning, her god has to to scratch uh, some an itch for a second, uh, loses focus on what Xanatari's doing, <laughs> and her, her swing goes wide, um, and with the amount of force she put behind it, it sort of shoots down. It was a sort of a downward strike, uh, sort of like at the shoulder or the head, it swings past and uh, into the uh, the stone floor, taking a chunk out and sort of even driving itself down in a little bit. And Xanatari is, is pulled off balance and ends up uh, flat on her butt right in front of the drow. The uh, cleric, is it still twitching? Yes. Okay, do I guess that's from the lightning or is there something else going on? I don't know. How do you want to guess? Stab it. I- 
When in doubt, stab it. Anyway. Yeah, pretty much. When in doubt. Double tap. I will take a little quick stab just to make sure. Okay. Take a stab at it. Yeah. Um, Doesn't feel like you have hit what is the normal feeling of flesh and bone. It's time to get some sun rods up in this biz. Cesar <laughs> <laughs> uh, pulls one out, cracks it. Does that illuminate the missing or the flickering growl? Mm, nope. By the way, Cesar, mm. you hear some popling and gurgling sound. Popling and gurgling. Popling? Popping. Oh. <laughs> popling and gurgling. Okay. From whence does the sound emit? Uh, the cleric. Um, she will look around and after seeing this last row fall and hearing Cesar's warning, she'll try to look around and not seeing anything. She'll walk back over to that cleric's body. Yep. You said it was still twitching? It's it's twitching or there's something going on under under the cloak. Okay. Under oh. Sort of like there's stuff moving or changing or even kind of boiling. When you try to move the cloak and so forth, uh, uh, it comes up in pieces as if uh, you were sort of flicking at jello. Uh-huh. You see the cape, but you also see uh, flesh or something underneath that's flicked away as you're trying to move. So you're sort of scraping away. Okay. See what appeared to be um, the start of at least three bright red eyes. <laughs> that is uh, she'll uh, hop back and kind of call out a warning. Um, we may have a small problem here. I'll uh, let loose a high-pitched whistle, um, one that I, I, I basically use to call Fluffy over long distances. Okay. Um, and while... I let that sound travel and, and the vibrations pick up. Um, I would walk over to Zanatari and I'd ask whether she was alright. You know, take a glance at myself and, and I think, other than being very tired from fighting all night long, uh, yes, I think I'm fine, Thorn. Thank you for, for interfering like you did. Being aware of a more real threat, at least another one, um, being announced by Subray, I will, uh, Head over and investigate with him as well. Yeah, and her, there's, her. she'll kind of point with her sword to the uh, cluster of eyes that's growing out of the. Scissor uh, ah! <laughs> fires directly into the cluster of eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a leg starts to appear out of the mass. Um, looks sort of like a uh, a spider leg. I'm going to engulf this thing in fire. <laughs> Do you actually attempt uh, a touch attack, or are you just... No, kind of no this is a close blast five. There is some sort of creature uh, hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. that has uh, tentacles hanging down or some sort of things hanging from uh, from it towards the Does floor. Does this look like the thing that I released out of the bottle? No. Well, the creature falls from the ceiling, uh, lands on the floor, and starts to uh, rise. It looks sort of like a column of uh, column of flesh. It's got some tendrils and stuff, but it is some sort of predatory thing. Um, it's basically it's lying in ambush for stuff to come through and try to try to grab it or something. 
but you managed to dislodge it or it dislodged itself from the ceiling. You managed to smite whatever this creature is, and it sort of does a slump over motion as if its body can't properly fall over, but it's definitely um, deceased. What's the uh, the wiggling mass in front of us doing? After running legs and eyes. <sighs> Great. Those are both bad things. Um, there's actually uh, big legs and eyes, and there's also large multitudes now of uh, small spiders pouring forth. She's going to tell Cesar, I'll see what I can do to handle this. See if you can find whatever you keep seeing. And if I need any help, I'll let you know. You got um, it. There is sort of this gurgling sound that starts coming from the corpse when you do that. And your nose is picking up um, something that smells extremely acidic. Mm-hmm. Seems to be brewing within this corpse. Um, you may actually want to get out of the way. You feel kind of compelled to um, make haste away from said corpse. There was some sort of adhesive action that was starting to take place at your feet. So your first couple of steps are kind of gummy. Um, but you are able to get away before whatever sort of uh, nasty, acidic chemical reaction, digestive juices and some other stuff take place, and the corpse detonates. Oh. Uh, with a very loud bang and splashes, some sort of liquid around itself, um, and you can sort of hear the sizzle of uh, acid. Okay. Mm. I would move back further. Um. The mass appears to be slowing in growth. Okay. Um, it looks like something's going to come ru- erupting out of this column of spidery goodness, but uh, the flow of the small spiders stopped for a little bit, uh-huh. but is now picking up once again. The entire mass quivers and erupts. Oh, boy. Sort of spraying spidery bits and goo and things probably best left to no description. As the creature detonates, there is some snarled, otherworldly phrase or intonation or curse that is shouted out from the mass before it ceased to exist on this or any other material plane. You see the drow for just a moment as the lightning goes off. Let's take it out. Okay. All right, so, so I'll roll... Go ahead and explain what you were going to do again. The, the spell Oh, right. And Different episode. Um, <laughs> Cesar had prepared. He has very few spells left after uh, the long battle, uh, sort of letting everything loose. But he has one left. It's actually the power he has with the largest area. It's an area burst two within ten squares, so a 25-foot square area. Hmm? It targets uh, one creature in the burst of... Uh, his choice, as well as provides a positive effect towards one ally, which I guess would most likely be Sabre at this point. Um, the drow was also attempting to attack this mass, and uh, your damage either did something, or it appears to have been also detonated upon by the mass when it blew up. Okay, but it's still not near, not visible enough. <laughs> oh. Okay. Just there for a moment, you sort of saw, like, 
it doing something, and then boom, and flick in, flick out. I'd like to have a look around and see whether I can find a way out. Yes, behind you, um, far end of the cavern, there is um, another passageway out. And it becomes evident, by the way, since you mentioned Fluffy, when you hear, or it's muffled, but there, there's something shouted from the direction of whatever was advancing on Sabre. Um, mm-hmm. Fluffy is, for lack of a better term, scared. Fluffy's not moving. Fluffy's staying put and is looking very scared and almost agitated like it's going to strike. Fluffy is reacting to you like you're going to hit Fluffy. Will let you do your soothing on uh, Fluffy for a while? She will just sigh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't even believe this is happening. And she will start, she'll reach into a pouch and pull out a a ta- or one of the rags that she has in her towel in her in her bag and wipe her face off and then start dealing with these spiders that are crawling all over just flicking them off squishing them getting rid of them any way she can okay well since this thing seems to have superior concealment whatever um but yet it hasn't really seemed to affect any of us negatively Scissor's going to just keep at the ready, but uh, not make any more active attempts, at least at the present moment, in terms of you know striking out or, or any anything like that to uh, to find okay. this this creature. I know the party is all pretty extremely tired and so forth, but do you want to try to camp out here, or do you want to press forward and see if there's a better site for? Maybe some rest. By the way, Zanatari, mm-hmm. the whatever was shouted out before the creature detonated uh, mm-hmm. seems to have just flickered up against uh, your uh, mental defenses. Mm. Didn't set it off, but it felt like something that would. Okay. Um, but whatever was said seems to be so such an antithesis of your deity's belief that it actually really makes you angry that the air down here had to hear that. So I would consider this place somewhat tainted by that as well and be anxious to move on. Yeah, this is this is not a uh, not a good place. You've managed to get Fluffy to move with a mild degree of certainty. You don't mm-hmm. see anything that's going to come jumping down on you from the ceiling at this point in time, but you do make it over to the other passage, and that way does seem clear for at least up through around the first uh, bend. There has definitely been uh, a lot of foot traffic through here. The mm-hmm. creatures that you were t- that attacked you, the drow, definitely came this way. There's a lot of dis- yep. disturbance in the bioluminescent um, sort of moss and things that are down here. So it's kind of kind of colorful a little bit, but you don't hear anything coming from this particular direction. Speaking of the passageways that you're going through, there's some degree of work has been done down here to these passageways. 
whether magical or by physical mining, but they are all rather large to allow something the size of Fluffy to be able to actually move down here. Well, I mean, he'll give a, a general warning. I, I keep seeing this uh this drow in the corner of my eye. Like I said before, I uh, think I might have hit it uh, earlier. It, I don't know what it's what it is or if it means us harm or not. But uh, just keep an eye out and uh, and and stay alert. It takes you about an hour and a half, Thorn, but you are eventually able to find sort of a side, a very small side passage. Fluffy is going to need to locate Sanctuary in another area. Mm-hmm. Because Fluffy won't be able to fit in there. But the rest of the party can squeeze in, and there seems to be a small cave kind of butting off this passageway. Doesn't look like it's been used a whole lot, but there's past signs of long ago being used. You actually see Fluffy go up the side of the wall, and you can't really see what happens beyond, but sort of goes and tucks into a space. It's almost like a carved out niche or nook that if you didn't weren't looking at the right angle, you wouldn't see that it's there, but Fluffy just seems to know that that's there and, and goes up and suddenly vanishes up into what appears to be solid stone. It appears to be designed for either ambush or, for lack of a better term, parking. Well, he'll just go in then and uh, immediately start unrolling his bedroll and getting ready to take a snooze. He took a little bit of a beating in that last fight, so he's ready to hit the hay. You're really, really tired, but uh, I think you see something slip in either before or after. Stop. What? This thing is in here. Uh, <laughs> I know you all think I'm crazy or senile, but i it's in among us. But I don't know if it means us harm. We uh, need to set a watch anyway, so whoever is up needs to keep an eye out for it, too. Okay. I'll, um, I'll take first watch, Tessa. She'll calmly say it's been... Quite the day, I think, for all of us. We've uh, <laughs> experienced some very strange things, but I'm glad that we all managed to find our paths together on this one. I don't know quite how that happened, but I believe that ultimately that we will find what we're seeking, and I think we'll be able to do it much easier together if you wouldn't mind me continuing on with you turn towards Sabre and, and just say, you know, well, thank you for fighting with us. We never really got a chance to find out, you know, our mutual goals, but obviously I think we're on the same side. Uh, and what, what, is, what is your purpose here? What are you seeking? Well, when the council heard of the attack on Winterhaven, uh, unfortunately, while draw attacks are Unfortunate, there are many of them, but when later news reached us that these could have been aligned with the cult of Orcus, or they may have actually found one of their artifacts, that was a cause for concern. So that's why they uh, sent me to... Just at the, just at the mention of the, um, the artifact and, and what Sabre is saying, I would sort of... I wouldn't actively turn to, to listen, but like... 
the enhanced hearing, I guess, one of my mm. ears would sort of perk up and, and turn to listen to, to what Sabre's saying. She said, after I set out, when I arrived in Winter Haven and ascertained what had happened, it seemed the next logical course to find out those who were most directly involved with it. And that's what set me on the path to find you. And here we are. Are you expecting to somehow make it to the heart of the drow? How will you survive the the incoming hordes? Well, that's the question is, is it an incoming horde? Is it one group that's splintered off and is doing this? I think that's what we don't know. Um, I'm certainly not going to take on the entire drow empire. That's, that's uh, a little suicidal. Um, but, you know, I think that's what lies ahead of us is to find out just how what what exactly is going on here and how far does it reach if it's some massive plot then of course i don't i don't think any group could take care of that but if we could get that information to the right people Cesar sort of stop is done telling other people about it so he goes <sighs> starts muttering under his breath and lays down and rolls over and pretty much immediately falls asleep okay Someone shut him up. He's going to give us away. I'm going to walk over and like dump my cloak on his face. You realize as you're thinking and worrying about light um, that you have to kind of shift your thinking in this case because you're dealing with the drow who you don't recall seeing any sort of light sources, so you come to the realization that they must be using a form of dark vision. Mm -hmm. And it is more about obscuring your heat uh, trail and, quote-unquote, light than it is a a physical light source. So shadows are going to take on a new uh, challenge for you. Something mental is trying to reach out to you. Oh, okay. Reach out to me. And this happens as you're starting to lay your head down. You're really tired. It's 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 been quite an encounter, and you just sort of go click click click, and it stops. I sort of go what? The you, the, the the equivalent of the feeling of this of the, your bastion of mental clarity going off is like click click click. Okay. Nothing that you can see. Um, there's nothing that you can necessarily feel there. There's not a, a sound that's going off to warn you of anything. But at the, in the same time, you are starting to feel a bit of an absence or maybe loneliness for communing with your deity. Well, she'll ponder that for a minute and then kind of sigh quietly and then lean back and start her meditation. As you begin your, your meditation, you sort of feel... But something's interested in you. Great. <laughs> okay. And it's kind of a kind of a casual, almost amused without sar- without being sarcastic. Is this like a local feeling, or just something in general? Um, you don't necessarily feel that your attentions are going unnoticed. It is said sometimes that when 
one looks into the darkness, that sometimes the darkness responds. Pharrell. <laughs> Thorn and Sabre. Mm-hmm. As your conversations die die out with Sanitari, um, you get the feeling that you have been asked individually, not with words, the question of, do you want power? Uh, what, what was that you said again? I nodded off there for a minute. Well, you know, if 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 we're all accounted for, and you know, we we did we did do that rather impressive bit of magic, but, but um, you're welcome. But um, hmm, maybe we're the drow, because they're not the drow, or maybe they are, but hmm, bit of a quandary. At which point you somewhat hear the sound of a what you think is a knife being scraped over a wet stone. Where, how close, where, where? Oh, just, you know, so it, it, it's, it's that sort of dreamy kind of nightmare sound. Okay. Hearing that, Cesar sits bolt upright and looks around to try to find it. <laughs> Do you go back to bed? Yeah, in a huff. Okay. Do, you, Do you close your eyes and you, your brain starts up again for a moment, but Bear with me here. This is going to take a couple minutes, so um, apologies to the to the others for the bit. But Cesar, has it occurred to you that something is missing here in being overlooked, and it's quite as plain as our nose on our face? Well, I don't know about being plain. I know that I know I'm seeing something, and it doesn't seem to be noticed at least as easily by the others. Uh, but I haven't been able to work it out, which is odd in and of itself. As you answer yourself, uh, it's not your the voice in your head that replies, but it's sort of this um, voice that sounds like the most favorite woman you've ever talked to. And I'm not going to do a good woman's voice, so I won't. <laughs> and it's asked, plain, oh, you don't want to be plain, do you? Plain? Okay. I think I'm... That wouldn't be quite the word to describe me or my life, to be honest. Okay. Well, if you open up your eyes, you'll no doubt see what's there before you. Cesar opens his eyes. You are standing overlooking a wide expanse of plain. Um, there's grass. It's definitely the material plain from which you can tell. And mm -hmm. There is a city off in the distance. And the city is burning. Okay. There are a number of figures about you, and they are running in the direction of the city, which is probably about a mile away, as if there's been some sort of great charge against it. And these are the last of the group that did the charge, because down below you on the plane, heading into the city, there is just a teeming horde Mm -hmm. of figures. Okay. And 
as the first motes of ash and dust from the direction of the air that the fire is carrying lands upon your cheek, you, you come to realize that you are actually quite higher off the ground than you're normally used to standing. Okay. So, am I floating? Or am I upon something? Are you looking and actively trying to figure this out, or...? Um, the thing is he, when he was, oh, he just opened his eyes to see, he'll, without moving his head, just look down with, just with his eyes. Okay. Um, you see that you are bare of torso. Mm-hmm. You are apparently quite muscular now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of a semi-sickly Ashley color. Ash color. Ashley. And What's your new name? <laughs> it's another favorite. You're, you don't seem to have legs, but you seem to have at least four spider-type legs. <laughs> you are armed with a most vicious-looking um, polearm. Okay. Huh. Do you, you want to continue to look around, or do you eyes kind of snap back to the city? Um, just, I think they'll just stay, my eyes will stay pointed, sort of down, stunned at what's below. Um, does it seem like I have control over this body? Um, for what you can see so far, yes, it, it appears that you do have control over it. Okay. The figures around, what do they look like? Um, they are cloaked. It is still twilight. Um, you've come to realize that even though you can see pretty well, your eyes are not feeling so accustomed to even this amount of light. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are blue to some shade or another okay. and have a sort of silver, silverish hair of one shade or another. And they are moving with purpose, and they are armed to the teeth. Okay. Oh, and you see, probably at every hundred uh, feet or so, there's something else that looks kind of like what you might look like. Oh, okay. So another figure that seems to have the same body that Cesar does currently. Yes, except they're blue and they have a a giant spider body attached to their torso. As opposed to just four legs? Um, you haven't looked back yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but they're blue, whereas I'm Ashley. Yes. So he's just going to look ahead again and think to himself, try to, you know, think, speak to whoever he was speaking to. What am I seeing? You hear the sharp retort of a woman's voice. You are seeing what you should be attacking. And you turn your head. There is a female drow with a whip. And how she is moving the whip um, shows that she means to strike in your direction. Okay. Can I dodge it and attack in turn? You can. Okay. I would like to. 
Okay. Uh, go ahead and attempt to dodge. You have the feeling that even if this part of you wished to resist... Yep. How dare you? How could you? The fact that you are even being spoken to, let alone directed, is too much awesome for you to handle. Okay. You could not dare to even conceive, especially with the additional training you had to go under, of doing anything to get out of the way of this or any other female drow. Okay. And this is something that I just feel inside. Just like it's it's sort it's sort of like you're the voice plunked into this other body. You can scream all you want. Okay. Um well Do you want to is... try and wake up? Do you think that you're asleep? What do you kinda of think that you're Um I don't think Cesar thinks he's asleep. I don't think he's really had anything like this before. Um and ever the one to try to learn, I think he's going to try to continue it for as long as possible, which I think in his mind means giving over to the, the stronger urge of whatever this other presence is that he's within. Okay. I have to ask, this isn't triggering my bastion of mental clarity. Like, I'm not feeling like there's a psychic assault or anything that, that I'm getting while he's doing all this. Oh, on you, no. It doesn't matter. Like, it's allies as well. No. Okay. Okay. Cesar doesn't smell quite the same right now. Um. Maybe it's just kind of the 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 festering drow blood, or spider guts, or something. But there's there's a there's a subtle kind of darker smell. So the, it's like a familiar aura, something that I've I've felt before, like in regards to a, a powerful artifact or. Yeah, but it's more just kind of the haha. I am getting stronger. I will just sort of that air of of uh, authority that's kind of a little twisted. You you realize that what at first appears to be a old man having a nightmare is when sort of looking around with uh, your your lower light vision you come to realize that there is something shadowy that appears draped over Cezzle. Okay, of a magical nature? Um, of a something nature. There, There's something <laughs> shadow-based. This is what I get for a natural 20. Well, something I, 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 nature. You, what you are seeing isn't something that is like a magic item, but you are seeing something that is trying to graft itself onto Cesar. It does not okay. look like it is a physical manifestation, like an actual cloak that somebody threw over him. Right. But where his face is, you're sort of looking at, if there was Cesar, another Cesar overlaid slightly at not matching up. Am I seeing a... Like a consolidated source from like where this is from, or is it just covering all of him equally? It's kind of covering him equally. You realize that there is some other source that looks a lot like the shadows that you fought mm -hmm. previously, 
but this is instead of being a pure inky, just black mm-hmm. with red eyes, you are seeing something with the ethereal outline of Caesar overlaid, not perfectly, with Caesar. So it's an actual, like, living creature. This is not a, a spell or something like that. This is a creature it's or not, a it's, being. It's not, it's not a spell, but you are seeing, you are seeing something happening here that with your 20, mm-hmm. you're almost seeing something trying to either move its way into Caesar or something coming out of Caesar. Okay. As you pull out Bird and activate it, the, what's called the other Caesar, mm-hmm. that, the eyes on that Caesar open and turn suddenly towards you. And they are a most maleficent red. Caesar. Yes? As you're there, as you start to give in to the nature of what you are, and you focus back onto the city, you realize that there is what appears to be, um, and you sort of kind of remember hazily off in the back of your mind, that there's a substance called Greek fire or white phosphorus. There's uh-huh. something along those lines. And there's a large, what appears to be catapult boulder coming your way from a entrenchment that has not been fully overrun yet down on the field and sadly your reflexes in terms of observation appear a little lacking and it's gotten the better of you okay. as this boulder with this white phosphorus or greek fire or whatever you wish to call it lands there's a a, a blasting white light and suddenly you are plunged into darkness aside from the fact that there appears to be some sort of light glaring over you. There is a rock floor underneath you, and there is Xanatari looking like she is moving heaven and earth, and perhaps a good deal of the celestial planes, Hmm. in your general direction. Ah! Oh! What's going on? Oh, (laughs) and Cesar? The last thing you hear is sort of this female chuckle laughter kind of thing almost a a mean giggle as if you have been a plaything well, hello everyone <laughs> as this happens i'm going to try to see if i can somehow visually trace the the shadow that's here if it like retreats and there's a trail that can be followed or if it suddenly just dissipates um, the shadow, or whatever it is, um, disintegrates after being blasted. The party is able to get back to their normal routine, but to Cesar especially, and maybe to um, Sabre with the given the language and Sanitari giving the uh, the wariness and Thorin just giving a damn, um, the party is able to get through their entire rest cycle, their shifts, their changes of the guard, and so forth. But there's an underlying feeling that perhaps the only reason why you have it is because 
whoever owns this particular situation has dressed you all in cute little outfits, like some little pets, and then lost temporary interest in you, but that you are in a very, very big cage. But there's still the unanswered question, Thorn, of do you want power that was maybe asked of you before the whole event with Sether happened? Thinking about it, no. I don't want power. My god wants power. There is no reply from the darkness, but you are feeling that your actions in setting up your uh, guard post for the first watch was very clever and um, shows a degree of growth within you um, to have uh, adapted so readily to a new environment. What about you? Do you want power? Did she kind of recognize the way in which the question was phrased? I think she more just recognized that there was a question. It didn't, okay. it didn't come with the voice. It didn't come with anything. It was just sort of, suddenly the question was there. She refuses to answer it. Okay. Um, you get the feeling within yourself that, um, and you don't know if this is another set of, of words put there or your own individual growth, but you already have power. You've just chosen to ignore it until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's something that Xanatar had a concern about. You know, we did go to sleep because we needed it, but uh, hanging out here when we've already been located and clearly identified is probably not the best idea and the safest plan. Mm-hmm. As you start to move around, uh, Fluffy makes the opportunity to drop two things, apparently, in front of the doorway that it has been resting outside of. Uh, one is a very desiccated drow corpse. You recognize it as the one that was um, in its grasp uh, two episodes ago. The second is another sort of very withered, dried shell of a spider corpse that is long since passed. But there is what appears to be a maybe an amulet or a collar that has a series of blue and red gems wrapped around its neck. Removing the collar, however, suddenly you're kind of inundated with large dead spider corpse uh, kind of growing all around you. Like the collar kept it small. Sanitari could be onto something. Suddenly you are dealing with a dead, desiccated spider corpse that suddenly grows extremely large and then turns to dust because it's just that damn old. Oh, and by, and by the way, uh, Thorn. Mm-hmm. Fluffy doesn't like Sabre all that much. Doesn't trust her. Uh, I don't like so. I think. Yeah, huh? I don't like Sabre that much either. And the um, feeling is mutual. Yeah, Sabre was leaning against the wall, like trying to get away from Fluffy. So. Yeah. Fasten the collar around my wrist, sort of like a a bracer or, of some sort. Um, so I would, I guess I would concentrate, and I'm, I'm going to see what I can do here in regards to actually being able to use the artifact, the collar of shrinking. Yeah, okay, I'm going to think about how I'm going to do this. 
Uh, I'll stand across from the hole and sort of crouch down or, or, or uh, you know, sort of sit on my haunches mm-hmm. and, and peer into the, to the, the gap. And um, I'm, I guess I'm just going to have to do it. I'm, I'm going to start to, I guess, crawl into the, the, the hole. Okay. Um, as you get uh, yourself, well, almost to the point where you're feeling firmly wedged in to the hole, mm-hmm. uh, in all its awkward indecencies, um, you start to realize that maybe you misjudged the size of the hole that you entered, and you find yourself standing within a tunnel that looks somewhat similar to the one that's outside where Fluffy is. Um, what does this look like to us? But you see him suddenly just kind of go pop into the hole, and he's standing there facing inwards. But um, you do realize that the where you in the past have scratched Fluffy when um, he's been stressed out or something mm-hmm. was roughly the area where the other spider had that collar located. Okay. Um, uh, I'm having a thought that it might be quite valuable to have Fluffy shrink down in size for more portable access so he can actually follow us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, right, I'm going to take the collar off my wrist and I'm going to, um, I guess in some fashion, try and put it on Fluffy. Um, so I'm going to after watching what happens and, and you know coming to the conclusion that I'm I'm getting back to normal size, I'm going to walk back over and exit the cave through where Fluffy is, you know, pushing his legs out of the way so I can actually move mm-hmm. out into the tunnel and um, attempt to buckle it around his around the back of his head, I guess. Okay. Xenatari and Cesar, you you might come to also recall a a similar a, a, a phrase or two of uh, similar things attract or like, like minds attract. This is an object that comes from a race, as you understand it, of pure, unmitigated, unredeemable evil. Scum. And magic or not, this may be dark magic. Yet, Thorn seems to be comfortable with this. When you first put the now collar onto Fluffy, Fluffy doesn't directly change size, but if you try to move Fluffy towards the entrance to the cavern where, to the cave where the party is, Mm -hmm. you find that you have a, a, a very conveniently sized spider following you. Well, are we uh, ready to go uh, deeper into this hellhole? So, I guess, um, having hold of Genesis, or uh, should I say Zanatari's hand, uh, I would you know, forge through this, and I would basically continue to step through the, I guess it's like a membrane or uh, barrier, 
Um, do we feel any force going through the barrier? Like, is there any resistance or...? None at all. Uh, well, completely startled that he grabbed my hand and shoved me through a giant barrier. Uh, yeah, I think last time I had said that I don't... What I don't want to do is be stuck halfway in and halfway out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that that would be disturbing. So I would continue to step through since we're falling forward and go all the way through. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay, I would turn towards Thorn. Uh, shove him gently on the chest and go, what were you thinking? Uh, exploration, yes. Thinking exploration. <laughs> uh, at this point I have no weapon, and I am completely at the protective mercies of Thorn, and this disturbs me. So I would start to crackle with lightning uh, in my anxiousness, and uh, and rage at at this unexpected difficulty. Oh uh, yeah, uh, I think as I'm I'm poking Thorn, I'll reach out my other hand and, and just touch the wall and see if I can uh, feel it. Okay. Um, your finger passes through the rock wall. Okay. Then I would stop midward, look at him, turn, and stride through the wall. Yeah, take take a few practice swings. I don't know exactly what the mojo juju you do to to get all that. Electricity flowing, but uh, see if you can give it a shot. Okay, uh, I I'll would... stand over here. Says the back. All right, so Zenitari, you have your sword back. Uh, how would you like to go about testing? Okay, I would start to kind of swing it back and forth, just looking at the hilt as I do that, and trying to get the difference in weight since this is now attached. Mm -hmm. I'm making sure that it's not interfering with. Uh, you know, my grip or any of those things. It says they're compensated for the balance, added a little weight to the pommel, so in terms of balance, it should be good. <laughs> nice. Um, so at that point, having been angry recently at Thorn and kind of concerned, to be honest, that he hasn't come back through the barrier yet, uh, I have enough, I guess, static buildup of, of irritation to, uh, you know, maybe do like a, a basic melee, you know, at the rock face, you know, not hitting it hard enough to splinter my blade or anything, but just you know, looking for something to, to swing it against. Very good. I would turn to Cesar and, uh, you know, hold it like hilt up like this and, and just nod to him and say, you know, thank you. This is excellent work. And uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully it will help us to survive slightly longer and just basically praise him for being awesome. Still concerned about Thorn and not forgetting about that, uh, she would walk over to her bedroll, uh, which is next to Sabray, and uh, start to clean the sword, uh, get any kind of you know residue off from from all the the upgrades, and uh, and lean against the wall, you know, so that I can speak to Sabray while keeping focus on the barrier. And uh, being irritated, I guess I would just look down at her as she's kind of. <laughs> doing our little tasks so perfectly, and uh, and say, hey, did you notice uh, your thorn's gone? Mm, yes, but he seems to be fairly competent, although don't tell him I ever said that. Um, <laughs> she would laugh out loud. I think he can take care of himself, but, you know, if I do suppose if he doesn't come back sometime soon, we might want to go find him. I will hold off on that then and look at Sabre and say, as uh, Cesar's near, I would get Cesar's attention too, and say, I think we should we should have a discussion. 
you know, we, we talked a little, but, you know, I, I need, I need to know what we're doing. And, and I would like to hear more about you, Subray. Sensor goes, Sensor goes, ah? he's still fiddling with the, the clockwork. He has actually a couple of them now that he's created. And he sort of, he's sitting cross-legged and he just sort of shifts around until he's facing them, but keeps looking at his work. I recall you telling us that you were here searching when you ran into uh, the unfortunate uh, Razor and his creator. Uh, can you tell us more about what you're searching for? And this seems very familiar to you. Have you been here before? Well, like I said earlier, um, drow attacks, unfortunately, aren't all that uncommon. Um, however, they're mostly directed at our people versus anyone outside, like humans or dwarves or things of that nature, unless they encroach upon their territory or they're looking for something. So when we first received word, it wasn't, it was unfortunate, but again, it didn't start any conversation. But then when the other details arrived, there was a lot of concern. So as the council is off to do, they picked an agent and sent me for answers. And the question is, is what are the drow trying to accomplish? And what are they looking for? And why, how are they connected to the cult of Orcus? And why are they looking for that artifact? And why are they so outside their normal pattern? So we've definitely entered a place that we're going to have to be on our guard. And somehow the fates determined that all of us would meet here at this time. And she just kind of shrugs. and Like, it's just how that should be. I would then turn to our original party members and say, you know, we started out here to find out what was happening to Winterhaven, why we were being attacked by Drow when we had never seen Drow in that area before. Um, we still don't know the answer to that, but this is obviously much bigger than Winterhaven and much bigger than our sm small party. You know, more specifically to Cesar and Thorn, you know, do you guys want to continue here and and this this could claim our lives? Well, I, uh, I, I can't help but, uh, but trust sort of the, the direction that, that we gave ourselves. If you recall, we were given the instruction to, to make our way at least into the, uh, the seven pillared hall. And it, it seems like the, the focus of, of intrigue and concern there was the portal down into the underdark here. So, uh, I, uh, you know, it wasn't specific the instruction that we were given, but I, uh, I don't know. I would sit there and, and look at Xanatari thoughtfully. Um, you know, my, my hand sort of under my chin, and I would go to say something and then stop. Um, and then I would go, what greater purpose is there than to stop the attacks against an innocent village? We were brought here, like Cesar said, to the Seven Pillar Hall, and then given no f further direction. Um, you know, even even the the Mind Flayer didn't really give us anything um, specific. So, I think uh, we should continue on our direction. There is a lot more down here that we are uh, there that we can explore and and find. Um, 
that we should probably take greater caution to conceal ourselves now than we did previously. I'd like to perform a, a thievery check if I could to slip the pendant into her uh, pouch. Okay, because I was um, worried so for a second. Rever- a reverse, a reverse pickpocket. Um, like I didn't want to give it to her in in broad view of everyone in the in the party. So I'm just going to casually clip it into her pouch. Basically, it's roughly the size of of this coin here, right? So that's probably about an inch and a half across um, in diameter. The party hears the sound of something scraping against stone down the passageway that no longer has the barrier. There's something down the passageway, and it seems to be moving in and out of the rock, as if coming out of the rock, looking around, and then going back into the rock. And it's, it's, it's a very large shape that seems to... Um, sometimes fill the tunnel, and other times you kind of lose track of it. You see what appears to be this series of boulders that are meshed together and look like a large uh, earthen head. There are two large either jewels or reflective obsidian. There's there's something there that makes it look like there's eyes, kind of like a rocky mouth, but it appears that it is swimming, kind of um, coming up, looking down the passageway, and then going back down into the earth. And the head itself seems to be um, enough that when it comes fully out to almost block the passageway. You have heard tale of some extremely rare, almost alien beings um, that are one with, or some say actually, the, the purest form of the elements. And from what you can tell, this one would seem to be some manner of Earth elemental. Your teaching and, and lore is somewhat hazy as to whether this is a small version of an Earth Elemental or one of the greater Earth Elementals. How fast is it moving? I want to do, I want to do some uh, science here. Um, uh, how fast is it moving? It's variable. It's kind of variable. It'll come up and look around and it's just kind of doing its own thing. Alright, is it like coming up every, like a, is it doing like a measured distance or is it just coming up wherever? It's just coming up wherever. Sometimes it, it just bobs down and then bobs back up in the same spot. Sometimes it bobs down and then comes and sort of appears out of the side of another wall. It's, it's just kind of moving around but up the passage. What I'll do is I'm going to try and move into the passageway um, at a point where uh, when it comes out next I'll be positioned alright so I'm going to get myself into a position in the passage where um, like I'm sort of not not prominent and I, 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 while it's underground um, and and that way when it comes up next I can leap on and, and grab a, a, a handhold uh, somewhere 
it might be worthwhile seeing where this single uh, will take us. Basically, trying to find any any handholds, you know, like con- you know gaps in the rock or whatever that I can um, get purchase on and, and, and hold on tight. There are plenty of handholds. However, the handholds continue to adjust and re-adjust themselves uh, very rapidly as the, the configuration of the rocks that make up the head uh, change. Um, you find also that the elemental is pretty warm. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're down... You're down under the ground. It's a little warmer. The earth itself is kind of warmer, and this thing shares the trait. You're not burned. You're not scalded. Um, it's not a damage thing, but this thing has been somewhere where there's a lot of heat and a lot of natural heat from the surrounding area. You're able to kind of do sort of this rapid hand movement uh, thing to keep hold, um, but you realize that the the head of the creature continues to rise, and you do have to contend with the fact that there does appear to be a ceiling to this tunnel. You get within about a foot of the the passageway ceiling the ceiling of the passageway mm-hmm. and suddenly everything above you is mud and it rises up and you go into the mud in the ceiling the eyes start to come back down and one starts to go back up and another um, gem comes popping out so there's like now three eyes that it's dealing with. Oh. And one one goes up into the mud. <laughs> um, did the the worm stop or is it still continuing to do what it's doing? Um, the elemental appears to have paused. And uh, again, it, it's sort of looking looking at you and shifts it eyes uh, shifts its eyes towards the barrier as well. Okay, uh, I'm going to tighten my grip on Thorn and attempt to roll sideways off of the worm. Um, I'm going to reach out and try to grab its eye. You pull out from the elemental a large chunk of amethyst. You don't get any response um, from the mud, but you do feel yourself starting to have a... Uh, a downward suction. Sort of went up into the mud casing, and now you feel like you're sort of either gravity or something is dragging you back down. I think since I was kind of scrambling upward as, as it goes down into the ground, I would end up you know, kind of leaning forward on my hands and uh, somewhat near Thorn. Um, I would stand up and you know scrape the mud off of my forehead and kind of flick it on the ground, sort of in his general direction, um, lean down to take the amethyst and put it in my pouch and then turn to him. Uh, as much as I'd like to be sarcastic, I'm concerned about him because he's been without air for a while and uh, I would kneel down to, to kind of examine him. I would 
be heading back to my bedroll and um, given that I haven't really unpacked anything and I basically had first watch, I don't think I've really gotten much sleep um, with all the events that have been going on. Um, so I would be basically sort of slacking a little bit of sleep here and uh, so I would go and uh, prop myself up against a rock and I'd pack behind my back and, and sort of like sort of fall asleep. There's... In all the activity, you didn't hear any voices, you didn't hear any words, but as you started to close your eyes, um, or maybe as you were just kind of thinking about things, there's kind of these feelings like you're still swimming in the mud sometimes, um, or even through rock, but you're able to breathe. It doesn't feel claustrophobic, it just feels sort of like you're walking through air. Okay. And there are these pockets that um, open up into not rock, for sake of translation, air, mm-hmm. and then go back into rock. There are other areas where it goes from rock into air, and then there's something that should be just a natural metal, yeah. but it's not. Something has changed it. Um, okay. And... Your brain, in this case, is processing it as, duh, it's a metal door. You do, every once in a while, get a glimpse of what looks like a massive area of air, a large, super large cavern, and it has spires going up into the um, air, and there are lights coming from a, a bunch of different spots. So, I, I, do I have like a, a sense of direction when I when I wake up? Yes. She'll look over and kind of arch an eyebrow. And just, well, I would have assumed that we would have taken the main highway, since that would be the most probable direction they'd be in. I, I'm curious why he feels this direction is a better way to go. We all turn to Finn um, expectantly. Huh? Huh? There's a distinct feeling of a lesser amount of magic. Things seem to feel normal out here. Back in the cavern, it seemed that um, there was a growing sense of magical energy. I guess kind of like uh, if you were in a room that was filling up with smoke. All the stuff that was happening there, either due to the ring or other actions, seemed to really steep that location and make it uh, a very magic noticeable. Somebody walking by who is also either a caster or some would have some familiarity would know that something has happened in that cavern. So that cavern is now stinky, um, stinky marked. <laughs> Cesar, I think you're right. I, I, I think it's magically stinky. You come to a point on the left-hand side that looks like a properly solid rock wall kind of curve kind of curves up there's sort of a a uh, a curve to the wall on both sides and your attention is just drawn to this one part of the wall and your eyes tell you that is solid rock whatever you got from the elemental is basically telling you bs moving around and inspecting some more you're able to find a very well-concealed hidden catch. Inside, there are 
a number of chests, say five, and the area, part of the area looks to be some sort of supply cache. Two of the chests are indeed trapped. One of them is trapped multiple times to the point that it would kill whoever triggered the trap a good seven or eight times over. There's one symbol of loth that seems especially worrisome, but not for mechanical reasons. There's just something in the, the, the hair on your scruff. You know, there's 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 carvings and all on all of them of um, images of loth. But mm-hmm. there's one on this chest that kind of for some reason gives you the willies. The super death chest? Yes. Okay. Now I would go forward and look in the chest. Okay. Um, within the chest, there's a couple food items. There's um, some what appear to be medicinal packs. And by medicinal packs, there's um, containers of different fungus. With your training from the Kalishtar before you departed, there was a basic herbology, I'm presuming at least. And this looks similar to mix this with water or mix this with whatever and kind of deal. Um, some bandages. And there's two cloaks. Hey, Sabre? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see part of Xanatari right now quite so well with your night vision. You uh-huh. see, like, her head and maybe an arm and a leg and a... Okay, she'll file that away for a second, but she's interested in that chest that Thorn's opening. She'll look down at Thorn and she'll say, I I know you're probably not going to listen to me anyway. <laughs> and I know you're probably going to make a try at opening this, but I don't think you're going to find whatever's in there worth what you're going to have to go through to do that. Um, I'm going to look at Sabray and ask directly, do you know how to disarm the sigil on this? Yes. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me why. I believe what's inside this chest could help us. For what's to come, if we're to take down this drow empire, uh, this drow kingdom, we need what's in this chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She'll say, ah, I don't you, you really don't know how bad it is. I'll tell you, but it's worse than you think. Cesar, as you're exploring the room, uh, you do uh, find a vent that is covered. It's in the floor. Uh, would probably fit a quite a large humanoid okay. and uh, very stout grate over the top of it that's locked and kind of secured. But there's a good amount of warm air coming up from this vent. Sabray will spend a few minutes talking over the ritual with Thorn and kind of going over her thoughts. And then as they get done, she'll kind of lean her head around and look at Fluffy that's hanging on Thorn's back. And she'll say, I think you probably want to have your companion somewhere else. She'll, uh, Sabray will look over at Thorn and ask him, are you ready for this? Uh, never. 
Sabrina will nod to him and then bow down in front of the chest. Um, I would then follow suit, um, no, kneeling and then bowing before the chest. Okay. Cesar whispers to Xanatari, This is great, bite. <laughs> I whisper back, I don't see any buttons, but I'm nervous. <laughs> um, after a few minutes, she will rise back up and begin, O Queen of Spiders, ruler of the demon web pits, mistress of darkness, we come before your majesty in humble reverence to seek your blessing. From your chaos comes your power, power that only you bestow on those who are worthy, but power always and should come with a price. And at that, her hand flashes out with a dagger that you kind of don't know where she saw, where she was hiding it, and it comes to rest just on the edge of Thorn's throat. Not enough to cut him. She draws a little bit of blood, and she looks back to the chest and says, Should you wish it, I will spill the blood of my ally to gain your favor. Um, at this point, um, not expecting the dagger, um, I react in a similar fashion and counter um, a dagger flashing out and coming to rest in a sort of counter maneuver against the braze throat and I would say betrayal is the true path to power my dagger shall be the hidden instrument in the darkness um, taking a moment I would then uh, with the dagger held against the braze throat I would reach into my pouch and pull out one of the spider rings um, and grabbing uh, Sabre's hand, I would then slide the ring onto her finger forcefully. Um, then, uh, once that was done, um, and, you know, sort of shoring the, the dagger up against her throat, you know, to, to make sure that she doesn't move, um, I take the brooch out of the other pouch and begin to move it near to the ring, um, activating it like we saw uh, previously. Um, and the the legs of the ring will start to dig into her hand and, and uh, finger, uh, which would uh, start to draw blood. And then I would say, this ring, a symbol of her reign over the demon web, shall ensnare my ally. Their blood spilled for my greater good, to grant me the power which I deserve and have fought for. And then I say, I beseech thee, O queen of the demon web, grant unto me the power to open this vessel and receive your gift. Okay. Um, so I think that's up to you, Nelsabro. Okay. She, uh, her eyes kind of widen with the ring and it digging into her hand, and she drops her dagger, almost kind of surprised. She wasn't expecting that. And then she's kind of let her hand go a little bit limp in your grasp, so she's kind of expecting you to do something next. Um, with that, uh, uh, I would grab the wrist of Sabre, um, you know, bloodied. Um, and start to move it towards the sigil that's on top of the chest, um, you know, palm down where all the blood is starting to, to leak from the wound, um, and, and push it down over the top of the sigil. Okay. Just before you get, as you're starting to move her hand closer to the chest, you know, her breathing starts to get faster, and she starts shaking her head, and just before you get it there, she, it's just like her arm becomes steel. She just stops, and she just shakes her head and goes, no. No, I can't do this. I won't do this. This isn't right. I won't let her have me again, never again. And she'll yank her hand away from you, stand up, 
and she said, I won't let anyone have, I won't let anyone go to her either. And she picks up her foot and kind of cracks you in the shoulder just enough to knock you aside, not enough to really hurt you, but to get you out of the way. And she spins back around to the chest and goes, Oh, maiden of moonlight, Elastrae, your follower calls for your aid. Please protect your servant in this darkness by shining your light to those obstacles before us. Cull this darkness out and free our way, and her sword will come out with a singing slash and flash down, and she will bury it right in the middle of that sigil. There is not a surprisingly bright flash of light, but it is as if there is a patch of moonlight or a miniature moon somewhere within the room. And for a moment, Cesar, uh, since you're kind of off on the side, there's enough trick of the light Mm -hmm. that there appears to be that damned drow um, interacting in some way with the chest for a moment and then blinks away. The flicker drow? Yes. Okay. There he is! The sword is expelled from the chest and just about every sort of nasty potential contact trap goes off on the chest in one fell swoop to the point there's even spinning blades that come from the top of the chest just from being flicked out that wood cuts uh, spikes <laughs> um, Jehovah's the, with an eye. the lock itself <laughs> appears to be um, a rather ingenious trap in that um, it explodes in sort of a puff so if someone pick, was picking, it would take a face full of spores. Underneath is the actual lock, however. But you don't hear a click of the lock on opening. Mm-hmm. Um, you happen to notice that on the back side of the chest, wherever that drow was, mm-hmm. the, the, the flickering drow, mm-hmm. um, there's a what appears to be a very well-hidden small drawer that could be pulled out. Cesar takes note of that. And stays where he is for right now. Okay, I see you messing with the sigil on the front, the uh, very dangerous one that I've seen leaking potentially world-destructive energy, and I'm going to move forward to the chest. Okay, you've got the floor. Okay, Uh, basically I'm going to draw my sword and point it at the sigil in a way that it can hit you, but it's not directly threatening, and... I've seen you open the chest as far as unlocking things. I'm going to say to you, you can't open that up. And I'm going to tell you that uh, I've done an arcane check, and I know you want what's inside, but there's something else in there besides your object that you're after, whatever that may be. And there's some sort of destructive energy inside. If you open it up, it could kill us all and have greater ramifications. I would stand, um, leaving my, my tools in a, a position where whatever I was working on at the time is uh, relatively safe, and actually stand in front of the sword, um, basically protecting the chest, which is weird, you know, not wanting Zenitara to, to drive her sword through it. And I'd fix her with a look, and i say, in a very hushed tone, so no one else can hear, uh, I know you know you could destroy all of us and the world around us, and you're still going to open the chest. Because I'm pretty upset about the fact you asked me for the symbol of Lolth, knowing full well that it was going to upset my god, make me ill, and injure members of the party. 
Your decision-making powers aren't giving me confidence right now. Then I would suggest you move on. How far away can I get from the rolling wave of destruction about to come out of this chest? With what I intend to do, I'm not going to let that happen. Would you be amenable to at least a suggestion that you can have an effect on Thorn, but it'd sort of be like dumping sand onto a beach to fight erosion? Mm-hmm. At the moment, with how it's going about, it would be eventually a losing battle mm-hmm. with the option to improve that condition going forward. Uh, yes. Do I get to understand the darker force that is driving him? I think you would understand that there is a darker force uh, pretty much on, on the grazing the surface side, but it is not... Thorn acting himself with malice. Okay. Um, I would sense this darker force somewhere lurking in his thoughts. Uh, understand that he's not controlled by Loth, or he doesn't have any connection necessarily to the drow, but that there's something that isn't uh, good here, isn't helpful to us. And at this point, I don't know if you want me to actually use an attack power, but I'm going to try to shove him out of the way and get between him and the chest. I'm not going to hurt him with my sword. I'm going to use my hands and the flat of my blade to try to shove him back and stand between him and the chest. You are now in the process of being hurled without damage across the room, away from your prize. Okay, Okay. so you're trying to get between me and the chest again. Yes. Uh, by the way, uh, Bert is entirely ignoring you and Thorn, and is uh, pointed directly towards the chest, and there is a bright white light, sort of like full luminosity, but instead of being a 360 sphere of light, mm-hmm. it's focused all its light side towards the chest. I'm going to call out the litanies or the chanting of a cleansing storm as I begin to kind of begin to build my rage. Um, Divine wind is going to swirl around me and lightning and thunder uh, will fill my weapon. Um, I will, again, not stab him, but I will take the flat of the blade and strike him, you know, on the shoulder a la knighting you, but also trying to knock you to the floor and give you a little bit of shock for that. Um, because it is a divine action, um, I will get my devout action storm, and then I'm going to try to grab him by the shoulder that I hit him with and haul him backwards out of the room. Just making contact with the flat of the blade against my shoulder and, you know, shocking at the same time, you know, with the, the divine lightning that she's got crackling around her would sort of, um, in a sense, sort of repel the, the corruption. So, yeah, the, the, the lightning would, um, would repel some of that, I guess, temporary madness. Um, and I'd, I'd start to come back to my senses. Though, at the same time, there is still this need to get into the chest. I, I, whatever's in there, I, I need to get because I do have this belief from the Earth Elemental um, that it could help with the quest that we're, at, that, no, that we're undertaking at the moment. 
My purpose in dragging him out of the room is to uh, kind of toss him around and confuse him before I put my ring on, which would show the false ending of a passage. See if I can confuse him so he doesn't know how to get back in is my goal with that. Very good. Uh, such happens and Thorn, mm-hmm. you're all alone in the passage, passageway. I'm not going to be happy about this. I'm going to... Use my smarts. I'm going to call Fluffy, who is okay. still in the room. All right. Now I don't know whether whether he'll see the illusion of the passageway or not. Like he'll have to walk through in order to 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 come to me, right? So I guess I'll I'll call Fluffy, but I don't know whether he'll actually walk through the barrier or not. Uh, Fluffy would uh, be willing to come out. Okay. Um. At the same time, I would use a perception check to see whether I could find or see where Fluffy comes through, and then. Use that to follow back through into the into the room, the passageway, if I could. So it'll be like sort of pushing you over and then leaping over at the same time to put myself back in front of you and between the chests again. Yeah, she'll like I said she'll be still a little out of it, but seeing the commotion, she'll look up and kind of realize something's going on and look back over at the chest and try to see if she can detect anything coming from it again. Gonna maybe try to saunter his way nonchalantly back to that drawer that you had mentioned that he notices. Mm -hmm. Maybe do it without picking up any notice. Hopefully they're absorbed enough and Sabre's either distracted by her her religious whatever she's dealing with or whatever. Are you going to try and open the uh, the thing or not? I'll take a look at it first. Do a little bit of an inspection. It does not appear to be trapped from what you can see on your initial inspection, which again does not involve a theory roll at this point for mm-hmm. true detection. But it seems that there are sort of like a central nexus location for something on this chest. Opening it, uh, you find what appears to be um, the release catch for all of the mechanical traps on the chest. Oh. To, you know, one step disarming. Mm-hmm. The failsafe or the failsafe or the failsafe. Right. And there is a container inside that is sort of uh, the cross between a tarot card sized container and a deck of uh, playing cards. Ooh. Cesar <laughs> opens it. Okay. Um, inside, there appear to be a number of cards. In this case, eight. Eight cards? Mm-hmm. Okay. And someone's lecture notes? <laughs> no, but they are all face down. Okay. He'll flip the stack over. Um, they're all face down. Blah! Oh, wait. Double-backed cards. Oh, this is useful. <laughs> um, in, your, in your hand, though, you feel that these are powerful, but you have to really want to use one. And there is also a plain platinum-looking uh, mithril platinum-type ring. But you notice that there is a faint engraving 
in a language that, well, doesn't make quite a lot of sense, but there's words something along the lines of dreams come true. Caesar puts that ring on. No, nothing happens immediately, Caesar. Okay. Oh, by the way, um, whoever's got really good hearing, which in this case would be Thorn, there is a faint after uh, Caesar goes in and is um, does something back there. There's the sound of cogwheels <laughs> turning, coming from okay. the chest, mm-hmm. and it sounds like. Something is withdrawing within the lid of the chest. Sanitari, are you trying to do non-lethal damage or just move him? I'm trying to hit him in a non-lethal area. Uh, I want to wound him, but I want to teleport him. My goal is to teleport him. Thorn, one moment. You're dealing with the chest. The next moment, you're steering. You're, you've got your nose right to the rock wall of the room. It would be a simple matter to have it either open, or um, you could try to see if you could push it down again. She's out of it enough. She's going to open it. Oh God, Cesar! As you're glancing around and you know playing with your new bling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, if someone was to interrogate you later, uh, it wasn't actually Sabre that appears to have touched the chest, but uh, that damn flickering cow <gasps> was mucking with the chest. It <laughs> seems to have opened. As the lid opens up, the space from the lid, uh, between the lid and the box itself, starts to fill with small spiders pouring out in mass from any opening. <sighs> Close that your is, eyes. That is there. And the horde of spiders, by the time that it reaches the bottom of the chest, as soon as they try to step off the chest, vanish. But as the lid is opened, rising out of it with, um, in the palm of her hand... There's an item, or there's something, but rising out is this image of a drow female. In essence, there is an image of Loth in her, in her drow form, rising from the chest. In her right hand, which is open and uh, facing the ceiling there is a dot of nothingness in the shape of a sphere (sighs) hovering above the hand the palm Like the last drop of blood from a dragon's heart. Kind of. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
Oh, yeah, Braveheart. Uh, was it Braveheart? Yeah, Bra- no. Dragonheart. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there weren't any dragons in Braveheart. <laughs> that would have been awesome, yeah. though. <laughs> that would have been awesome. It would have been. Mel Gibson, dragon flying over. <laughs> there were the long shanks. Our lives, but they may, will never take our freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it be. See, Cesar. See. I would beg. I would beg to differ, Tin Man. I believe I have the hands, and you do not. So, uh, what I do with this little object here is my own, and you can't stop me. So, ha ha, ha ha ha, ha. So it's starting to look like you. This face. And it's drawing material from somewhere within this either massive goo or back on the um, the Google side. Not the Google side, but the... Um... Twilight Zone. Yeah, the Bing side. <laughs> no, I had it and my brain went blur. I'm going to craft a necklace out of this heart. Okay. That's some serious bling. How big is this heart? I don't know. How big is the heart? Probably about the uh, size of a a good average human's fist. Okay. Um, What would you like me to roll in order to do this? Hmm. Arts and crafts check. (laughs) (laughs) Someone get him some macaroni and some popcorn. Yes. Do, Do I have the skill to use crazy glue? Can you macrame? How much does Thorn eat? Uh, no, no one's gonna get hit, but enemies. Um, Cesar uh, is pissed. His hand hurts. He's got stab wounds. Someone fell on him from the sky. One of those fat drow. Um, <laughs> so he. Uh, no, he feels about fat thing. <laughs> um, Cesar, Cesar uh, likes all kinds, but um. Welcome to the show, I'm Genesee. I'm Eric. I'm Daniel. Sir, welcome from the uh, confines of retail hell back to the <laughs> confines of death before dishonor. Uh, retail has aged me terribly. The, I'm, I'm old and exhausted. <laughs> the entire mass quivers and erupts. Oh boy. Sort of spraying spidery bits and goo and things probably best left to no description. Cupcakes? Uh, no. <gasps> Buckles. Never, never cupcakes. Cesar, do you have any sunrods still or? Um, sure. <laughs> Bring out your rods, old man. That's wrong. That's really wrong. <laughs> Okay. Notice how she said plural. <laughs> yeah. You never know. It says her. Why do you have why do you have more than one? <laughs> Roll an arcana check. That kind of blows. Um, <laughs> Twenty three. Spoilers. I'll tell you what happens as soon as I hit with it. If I hit with it. Um Shit. 